Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hello, Nick. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited for you to be on. You know, I get into a lot of different conversations with people at different times. And obviously, as the Mindset and Self Mastery Show, we get into a lot of different stuff when it comes to mindset. But I'm really excited to be able to get into what you've explored, what you've gone through. Um, and without stepping on your toes at all for your story, why don't you give us a little bit of context? What do you do for a living? And maybe one thing that most people don't know about you that's a little odd or bizarre. Okay, well, what I do for a living, I've been in land development and the vending business and construction most of my life in one form or another, and now I'm a life coach. I help people uh, accomplish what they want to get out of life. One thing that people don't typically guess about me is I used to be a rodeo rider, rough stock. And I had a near-death experience at the age of 18, came out of my body, died in a rodeo arena, and uh, that set me up to accept what was going to come when I was 33, so several years later. Man, that's, that's the key reason why I asked that question. Now, you and I talked a couple minutes before the show. You're like, I don't know if I have anything like what I'd mentioned to you, but that's a hell of an experience to be able to toss out and... Man, I got to call out the dad joke in the middle of this thing. But how many times do you get to say, this isn't my first rodeo? <laughs> yeah, I get to say that from time to time. And nobody laughs. <laughs> well, at least you and I can laugh about it. And I'm sure there's some audience uh, you know, that enjoys some of that stuff. But so that's, uh, that's interesting. You know, There's a lot of stuff. You're talking about construction, now life coaching, but starting off in rodeo. How let's get let's get down to the rodeo tax with this. How did you get into that and how did that come about that you basically died for a minute? Look, rodeo was just part of the small town experience. I grew up in a little farming community and you played football or basketball and you rodeoed. And you either could rope if you were smart or you rode rough stock if you weren't too smart. And I wasn't that smart. The way I died was, it's a crazy story. I don't want to eat up too much time with it, but for like actually not the first time in my life, I was getting to, ready to ride. It was my fourth year. I just had learned not to allow fear to have anything to do with this. When it was my time to get on the horse, I just got on. I didn't think about it. I nodded my head and the shoot guy had opened the shoot and that was that. Whatever happened, happened. But right before I got on my horse, a voice came to me, like a voice you could hear, like you and me, and said, if you get on that horse, you will die. Now, this shocked me to my core, as you can imagine. And at first I was like, oh, thanks for the warning, you know. And then I looked around, it was like my girlfriend's out there somewhere, all my friends are here. It literally would be better for me to die than chicken out, not ride my horse, and try to go home on Monday morning, you know? So for the first time in a long time, I said a prayer, and I, I said, look, I heard your voice. I acknowledge that. 
I have to ride. So if I'm going to die, I'll see you in five minutes. But if you can talk to me and warn me, you have the power to protect me. Will you protect me? And the voice came back, spoke to me, laughed, chuckled, and said, yeah, I'll protect you. Well, his idea of protect me and mine were a little different. He literally let that ride go until I, I was kicked and stomped to the point where I popped out of my body and was out long enough to think for quite a while. You know, I mean, I was absolutely still alive. I was absolutely still concerned about my future, where I'm supposed to go now. I worried about when my mom found out because she never wanted me to ride. And I even worried about how they were going to find the key to my truck because I'd hidden it. So absolutely still alive. And then I popped back into my body. I wasn't damaged as badly as I thought I was going to be and finished out my ride. And that set me up for kind of canceling out some of the skepticism for what was about to happen to me years later at 33. By then, I was a concrete contractor doing what, uh, you know, I, it was in, innate in me growing up in a small town that I had to make my money by hard manual labor. That was the only honorable way to do it. You know, we used to look down on people that made their money any other way when we were growing up in our small town. We called them slicksters and pitchmen, and we had all kinds of names for people who didn't earn their money honorably. So that's what I was doing, working hard for my money. But Nick, I was hating life. I wanted to provide a really good lifestyle for my family. And I realized I couldn't do it trading my time for money. But I had no, I didn't know what else to do. I was absolutely stuck. I was frustrated. I had debts. You know, I had to do work. You're not supposed to do this. It's actually illegal nowadays. But I was doing, you know, trying to finish jobs to pay concrete bills for jobs way past, way back there. Just kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. And that's when I met a woman. I was working at a home that was absolutely beautiful. We were pouring concrete in her backyard. And she and her husband were so elegant, so cool. It was like, this is what I want to be and have. But there is, I just can't see any way possible to do it. Well, this lady was so kind, she talked to me and all of my frustration just came pouring out. And I did what I knew better than to do. I really complained to her. That's what I was doing. I was bitching. And right in the middle of that session, she turned and walked away. And I was so embarrassed. But a few minutes later, she came back and she placed a manuscript in my hands. And that manuscript changed my life forever. Hmm. <clears throat> There's a lot in what you've talked about in the past couple of minutes. I mean, even to, to jump back to you sitting on the bull, hearing a voice and being aware of it and talking back to it, that in and of itself is a big thing. And I talk about this all the time on the show. It's awareness. If you're not fucking aware of something, how do you know there's a thing? 
You have no idea because you're not aware of it. But for you to catch that and look back at it and be like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to turn the tables. If you can help me here, then help me. And especially now to be able to laugh about it where that voice laughed and was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to help. Probably not how you think it's going to be. When you look back at that situation now, what do you peel from that? And what, what sort of wisdom do you get from that whole situation? Okay, at the time, I can't say I got any wisdom. I was stunned. That's all I was. I was stunned. I mean, I couldn't deny that I had heard a voice, that something talked to me, someone. It wasn't something. It was a male voice. And it reasoned with me. It was willing to negotiate a little bit. And then, uh, but magic, I mean, it saved my life in a magic way. Afterward, I talked to my friends and they said the whole arena went quiet. They knew they were going to witness a death. And then last second, like the last fraction of a second, and by the way, I wasn't in my body when I supposedly did this, but I kicked my feet and pulled and came flying up out from under the horse, up on top of the horse, and finished out the ride. When I came to, uh, the buzzer had just barely sounded, and I could hear the pickup man coming up behind me. I was out from, I was not in my body, I promise you, for several seconds, the last seconds of that beating and ride, if you can call it that. But what it set me up for, this manuscript talked about the richest man to ever walk the earth. This is Sultan Musa of Mali. But he started out dirt poor. And he had a near-death experience at the age of 12. And as I read this, that's one of the things that allowed me to relate to it and accept it. Because otherwise, being a small-town guy, I might have been skeptical of anything having to do with near-death experiences or, you know, some of the things in this manuscript. But having had one... It was like, oh, yeah, this is my kind of dude, you know, start out poor, want to do something with your life. You have a near-death experience. So I read it. In fact, the truth is, Nick, I wasn't going to read it. I took it home, put it on the nightstand because she asked me to bring it back to her the next morning. But while waiting for my wife to come to bed, I read the first page and then I stayed up almost all night finishing it and making notes. This manuscript tells, well, it, it has two things in it. It has a fairy tale that Musa wrote because he had to embed the secrets of his success, the secrets he learned in this near-death experience in a way that didn't get him in trouble but allowed him to teach when it was appropriate. So he would tell this story. And if he started getting in trouble, he could just fall back on, hey, it's just a fairy tale, it's just a story, you know, chill. But you wonder, why did he have to do that? Why not just come out and tell everybody the truth about what he learned? But think about it. It's the 1300s. He's in West Africa. It's a Muslim country. You don't just come out and say, hey, I died yesterday, but... Hey, then I came back to life. I met God. He taught me things that our scholars don't know and wouldn't believe in if, you know, that's a quick way to get in a lot of trouble. Big time. Yeah. It's interesting when you when you think of the context of things, 
Um, and for I think for the most people, it's whatever religion they have or whatever they subscribe to. You've got to really think back to the context of it. How did that actually make sense? And are the things fairy tales? Are they just parables? Is it all just BS or what have you? But there's always little bits of wisdom that's in there. But I think that's a big thing that a lot of people miss out on. They don't understand context because they think of context from right now. Like even if you read the Bible and you go back through Old Testament and you read it like it's today, that's instantly wrong because you're not thinking about what's actually happening in that moment, how that all tied together. So it makes sense to be able to put thing into a story, especially I like the way you put it, where if somebody yells at him, he's like, hey, man, I'm just telling a story. I mean, chill, calm down. Just a story moving along. Yeah, exactly. But so with this elegant woman and this lifestyle that you're looking at and you just sitting there bitching at her and she goes, well, hold on a second, comes back with the manuscript and you're like, the fucking lady just gave me a piece of paper. Did, did she not want to talk to me anymore? Is she telling me to go away? Did you ask her or the next day even say, why, what stood out about me that you gave me that manuscript? I had a conversation with her, but it was so long ago, Nick, I honestly don't remember other than just telling her, I asked her if it was true. I remember that, but I, the second I read it, I knew it was true. There's a formula in this, in this manuscript there is a formula and something called the language of the gods. Now, this may sound weird, but when I explain it, you get it. The language of the gods is what Musa called when he met this man made of light and love during his near-death experience. He didn't have to communicate with him with words because your what you emanate, the way you feel, about everything is just self-evident when you're on the other side, when you're out of your physical body. And that's how he communicated with this man made of light and love, who taught him how the world works. But he also taught him that this language of the gods is how everybody creates their situation in life. Now, this is something I had never considered, never would have considered. It's the answer to how do you end up being Nick McGowan and how do I end up being Jeff Buhner? Two different people. And then all of the variants on earth, all these people with different attitudes, different mindsets, different goals, different desires, hatreds, all of it. How does that happen? How do we become who we are? And that's what was answered in this manuscript. But here's the thing. I was thankful for a lot of things about my life, but there was a lot I wanted to change and I had no idea how to do it. And the second I read about the language of the gods, that's how you do it. And I was freaked out because it was just right there in black and white. This is how you seize control of your life and your future. And so freaked out was I that I literally didn't, I did not dare do it for like days and days. I, I didn't even dare play with it because what if it didn't, I, I had so much hope now. I was so excited, but what if it didn't work? I'd be so let down and I needed that answer. I needed that. I needed to find a way to take control of my life and change it. 
I was so frustrated at the time. So it took a while, but I finally started messing with it in areas that didn't matter too much, right? But as I did, I saw little coincidences start popping up. And at some point I had to admit that is a direct result of me speaking the language of the gods. And then I went crazy doing it. I just went nuts doing it. And everything in my life changed dramatically. Freaked out all my friends and my family members because people think, you know, they can count on you being you. And if you wake up the next day and all of a sudden you act differently and different things are happening to you and your whole lifestyle changes, believe me, it will make some people in your life very uncomfortable. And that happened to me for sure. Yeah, it can be a shock to the system for some people. They don't know how to handle it. And I think for the most part, a lot of that is because they don't know how to handle the stuff on their own. They don't know what it would be like for them. Now, you'd mentioned that you were from a small town and that there was a handful of things to do. Basically, you play sports, you rodeo, what have you. That typically lends itself to everybody subscribing to the same thing, the same religion or just how you work within that community. So were you raised in a religious household that this already had some fertile ground or were you completely nothing like that? And this was just brand new and sort of magic being dropped in your hands. Absolutely raised in a religious background where the opposite of what Sultan Musa of Mali learned was taught in the name of religion. Take faith, for example. Now, uh, I don't want to turn this into any kind of a Sunday school, but faith is absolutely described in Sultan Musa of Mali's second parchment. But the way it's taught in church, I don't care where you go to church, it is so vague and so obscure that you can't possibly use it to your benefit. And yet it's the source of all miracles. And it, we were meant to use it. I use it every day. But faith is taught to us usually through the parable of the mustard seed, right? If you had just enough faith, you could do miracles. And it's not much, just as much as a little tiny mustard seed. Well, when I read the second parchment, the reference to the mustard seed has not one thing to do with an amount. It has everything to do with the language of the gods and how you speak this language, which I'll give you a little uh, hint right now. It's all about your veiled mind or the subconscious mind. It controls your life. It absolutely directs you where it believes you're supposed to go. But how does it believe where you're supposed to go? Why does it believe that you're supposed to you know, do one thing in life? Someone else is supposed to do the exact opposite. And how can it be that this mechanism that controls your life can take you to some really dark places, take some people into poverty or addiction or you know, all kinds of terrible things? Well, it's not a passionate entity. It's like a computer almost. It can be programmed. And who programs it? You do. But you don't know how. So you think it's listening to your words. You think it's part of you. You think it obviously cares and, you know, as feels your thoughts. No, it doesn't care. 
It's listening to one language and one language only, but it believes this language. Anything you say in this language, it believes it, and anything it believes, it makes true in your physical realm over time. So here's the language. Feelings. Not words, not thoughts. Feelings. And all of your subconscious beliefs were formed by an event or an experience accompanied by really strong emotion. So, but here's the reality is, nothing's changed. Nick, you can still set, on purpose, new subconscious beliefs by creating experiences that have a really strong emotion attached to them. It's like setting a, uh, I don't know what you call it, it's not a marker. In maritime, they've got a name for it, but it's like setting a GPS marker on the trip that you want to take. You can literally do that in your life. You can dictate future events and then sit back and watch while they happen at some future point in time. This was so exciting to me at 33, you can't believe it. It took a while before I dared teach anyone because I wanted to make good and sure that it worked. And then when I tried to teach people in the beginning, I was teaching them tricks and games and techniques that I developed for myself because the parchment was kind of thick on concept, pretty thin on actual techniques. How do you do it, you know? So I came up with games that worked for me like crazy. But then I realized that not everybody learns the same way or relates the same way. So over the years, I've come up with all the stuff, the tricks and tips, games that work for everybody. And you kind of have to pick and choose because your subconscious mind will, it loves games. I mean, you came into this world loving to play make-believe, imagination, pretend. And that's how you literally learned everything you've learned. Observing, imitating, imagining, pretending. It loves doing that. But there are certain things it will not play along with because its job is to keep your life congruent. So affirmations. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm... It's not playing along because it knows you're saying that because you're poor and you wish you were rich. But it will play make believe. If you ask the right questions, what would it feel like to be rich? And then get specific. What would it feel like to have a million bucks in the bank, all mine, all the taxes paid? It's not needed for anything. It's just my money. What would that feel like? Boom, it will tell you. It will send you impulses and feelings. So you got to be clear on this. You speak to it in feelings. And it speaks back to you in feelings. And this is how it keeps your life congruent and moving exactly where it thinks you're supposed to go. By manipulating you with impulses, ideas, motivations, instincts, you act on those. You act on your feelings. So if you're walking down the street and you think, oh, I kind of feel like going into that shop today. You do it and you don't even know why. But it's leading you by the ring in your nose right where it thinks you're supposed to go to have the life it thinks you're supposed to have.
There's a lot with feelings because a lot of people, uh, especially now, when you think of kind of the awakening that's happening where people are starting to understand that you can control more than just the outside physical being, but it starts from the inside. There's a lot of talk about people trying to get away from their emotions or really control the emotions. And I've grappled with this for years and years. And I've kind of looked at, well, I'm a creative, so I feel things more often than maybe other people do. But I think that's along the same lines of what you're talking about, where it's about understanding and feeling those emotions and feeling them, but looking at them for what they are and not just being controlled by them. Is that about what you're saying? Yeah, most people are trapped in what I call the spell they're living under. And it's basically every morning you wake up thinking about your reality. And this is habitual. You do it every morning. You think the same thoughts and it's about your life, what's going on, your relationships, your money, all of that. That makes you feel a certain way. Your subconscious mind hears those feelings, believes them, and then makes it true in your physical realm by creating circumstances and situations that match those feelings. Now, this is really easy to see in others. You know, you see someone who's surly and angry and they go out into the world surly and angry and someone says hi and they're like, mind your own business, man. You know? And then that person says, well, F you, dude. And that perpetuates their feeling that they don't do well with people, people aren't nice. So it, round and around you go. To break the spell you're under, and by the way, you can so easy, so quickly, you can change the circumstances of your life by what I call spell breakers. But these are intense imaginary scenarios that create feelings that match the life you want. Now, this is your superpower, the ability to pretend. Because when you do, and you get to the point where you can see it and feel it, and you were a pro at doing this as a kid, by the way, it creates a portion of the exact feelings that you would have if that were, quote unquote, real in your physical realm. So the idea is to use your imagination, and creative people do this all the time. Successful people do it all the time. They imagine it the way they want it to be. They feel the feelings of having it, even though in the current physical realm, they don't. They just see it in their mind's eye. They feel it. Their subconscious mind hears it and believes it. Now, not right off the bat, but if you keep doing it with some consistency, you keep flooding it with those feelings, it does believe them. And as soon as it believes them, it's going to set up different situations, different interactions, different people will come into your life, different, you'll see different things that you weren't even looking for before, different videos, and what, what I call coincidences, and I always kind of do the, the error marks because coincidences will start popping up, but as you delve into the seven secrets, I call them the Sultan's seven secrets. It's what was outlined in the parchment. When you learn to speak the language of the gods and you learn the other things about how life works and how you can take control of it, then I make you a coincidence hunter because you will see little things popping up that weren't happening before. They weren't happening last month, but they're happening now 
and they match the feelings you're generating with your superpower, your ability to pretend and imagine with intensity. And when you do that, you're setting these little markers. I'm going to have to look up the right name for them, like on a GPS map. And once your subconscious mind believes that you're supposed to have more situations that match those feelings you're flooding it with, it'll start doing it. And you can literally dictate future events. Now, they may not come out exactly like what you were imagining to create the feelings, but they'll match the feelings. And sometimes they absolutely match the imagery. I've got one story that's in my book about one big one that happened for me that, that just absolutely matched the imagery, not just the feelings, but a lot of times it matches the feelings. Yeah, that's an incredible thing when that happens and you can see it. Uh, and each time you talk about the the location or the GPS, I keep thinking about like dropping a pin like you would in like Google Maps or something like that. And you're like, this is where I'm headed and where I want to go to. But I often think about the people that listen to the show that maybe you're saying, you know, I get that. But look, I don't exactly know where I want to go. I don't exactly know what I want to do. So what what would you uh, advise those people? Right back to the language of the gods. That's the first thing. The, the three elements of the fairy tale that he embedded his secrets in. First of all, the fairy tale. He is Sultan Musa of Mali is the author of Aladdin and the Magic Lamp. Now, the magic lamp is what changes everything for Aladdin, right? And that represents not just the language of the gods, but the understanding and knowledge of it. How... Of course, the, the all-powerful genie is your subconscious mind. And now Aladdin understands he has the magic lamp. That's the understanding of how you command this genie inside of you to do what you want it to do. Whereas before, you're just haphazardly going through life, letting reality dictate how you feel. Now you take control of it. And you understand that it believes your feelings. So you generate the feelings that match the life you want. You do that with your imagination, with pretending. But it doesn't care how you generate them. It just listens to your feelings, believes them, and then makes what it believes true in your physical realm over time. So once you understand this formula... You forget about what's going on in your physical world. Just ignore it to an extent. And you remember, the genie only says two things, and one of them is a question. What is wanted? And then the second one is a statement. Your wish is my command. So it's always asking, Nick, what do you want? And you're always answering by the way you feel right now. And then it says, your wish is my command. So if you're feeling crappy about finances, it doesn't care. It just says, all right, I hear you, Nick. Your wish is my command. And it will make sure your finances suck. You think, who set this up? You know, But then when you realize that, see, I don't try to teach this to kids. I teach it to people 40 and up because 
you need that foundation of hardship, of frustration, of trying to figure out life and running into dead ends because you're focused on your reality. I got to change my financial situation. You feel crappy about it while you're focusing on your bad situation. It seems to stay that way. You can't fix it. Just like when I was in concrete, I couldn't get out. I couldn't do anything different until I read this manuscript and just changed my feelings. I set up a new a spirit world, a dream world. That was like, I kept that separate from my reality. I didn't let reality touch that beautiful dream world. And I'd go in there and feel the feelings of the life I wanted, literally experience them and flood my subconscious mind with them. And pretty soon I really got to where I was doing that all, almost all the time. I mean, still dealing with reality, but from this place of just lost in a daydream that was beautiful. So I did better in real life and eventually my subconscious mind started changing my real life to match my predominant feelings. Well, I've had a magical life, Nick, because of this. It's been a blessing in my life. And I was about ready to retire on my farm in Belize a couple years ago and just felt really strongly that I couldn't do that until I've shared this with other people and not just the maybe hundred or so that I shared it with one-on-one, -on -one, but I had to get the word out there. So that's why I wrote my book, The Sultan's Seven Secrets. And I'm just trying to get that in the hands of as many people as I can. And if you'll download the book, you could do that today. It's like two bucks. We, I'd give it away for free, but I want it to stand alone. I want the site to be maintained. So I'm charging two bucks for my $20 book. People can get this formula and learn to speak the language of the gods. I could charge a million dollars for it. I've literally created many, many times a million dollars using this. But you can download the book. You can be speaking the language of the gods tonight and all day tomorrow. It's not hard to learn. You can do it. You've been doing it. You've just been doing it kind of in reverse, in a way that hasn't served you in all of the components of your life, but certainly in some of them. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I think at our human core, we do some of that stuff naturally. But as you'd mentioned, as you get older, life gets in the way. You get jaded and whatever other excuse wants to come up. But you're not looking at things like a child. You're not being open. So you've unpacked a lot of this stuff so far. But why don't you give us something practical here? Besides, everybody go download the book. Yo, it's two bucks. Go buy this friggin' book. Come on, it's two dollars. Um, but give us a little bit of practicality here. For the people that are on their path towards self-mastery, what sort of advice would you give them to be able to start using this today? Well, take this seriously, because when you talk about self-mastery, this is how you do it. Now, you look at anyone who is successful, they're doing this without really understanding exactly what they're doing. They are building a dream, whether it's of them succeeding financially or in basketball or as a, you know, having the perfect body and physique. They build it. They see it in their mind's eye until they can feel what it's like to have it. But people who do that 
don't do it in every aspect of life. So you have these people who are wildly successful in one aspect of life and then abject failures in other aspects that they say are important to them. But it's simply because they've never codified how what they're doing to be successful can also be used in every aspect of life. And it's easy, it's fun to do. It's fun to build a dream world that is exactly the way you want it. And you can change it every day. You can add to it, delete. It stays relevant. You can do it for 30 years and every day you're changing a little bit. It's always relevant. And every time things in your physical realm do line up with your dream world, then there's something else you want to build upon. You want to take that and do even more or sometimes less. You know, people ask me, well, why don't you have uh, $4 billion? It's because I have several million and that's, I know what it's like to have a lot of money coming in. And sometimes too much money owns you, too many things own you. So I'm very careful about answering that question, what is wanted. I use the same pretend and imagine to get clear on what I really want, not what people tell me I should want. <laughs> you know, but this is how you get in the right mindset. It's how you master your life, self-mastery. And it's all right there in a little formula and a little easy to read book. But the, the manuscript I read, and by the way, I do want to throw this out here. Uh, Antoine Gallant was honest about the fact that he was not the author of Aladdin and the Magic Lamp. He got two parchments. One was the fairy tale and the other one was the detailed interpretation of the fairy tale along with the way to speak the language of the gods, that tutorial is in there. And he got them both from a Syrian fisherman. He translated them and was honest about it from ancient Arabic texts, both written by Sultan Musa of Mali. But he never published the second parchment. He was terrified of this thing because it spoke of near-death experiences and a man made of light and a spirit body. And, you know, he knew if he published that, he could get in trouble. This was the 1600s. People were still burned at the stake for heresy. Which is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, he kept the second parchment quiet, locked away, but he passed it down generation to generation. And I think... That's where this woman got it. I think she's a descendant. But I, I don't know for sure because I didn't know then what I know now, or I would have gone and talked to her. I would have got her address. I can't even, I went back years later and just tried to find the home and couldn't find it because I poured literally thousands of concrete patios and I couldn't remember exactly where she lived or where the job was 10 years later. But uh, you've got to read this. And if you feel compelled to read it, it's because you're ready to read it. it. It just seems to work out that way. I've had so many people come to me, sometimes by referral, and at least four times, the first thing they say, like in the first five sentences, is, 
well, Jeff, it doesn't matter because I'm planning to commit suicide. Now, imagine that. My very first guy, the first guy that someone sent over to talk to me said that to me. And he had set a date to commit suicide. Now, as soon as someone says the word suicide, you're on a tightrope. You got to be careful what you do and whether you call in experts or, but almost every time, in fact, every time, uh, they've responded in a way that you just see them coming away from the ledge, that you see hope open up in their eyes where they think, wait a minute, you're telling me that I can change this horrible situation in my life. And, you know, it's kind of, it's going to be fun. It's going to involve some games. It's going to be, you know, exciting. Building this beautiful dream world. Yes. And as you do that, the first thing that changes when you see these little coincidences popping up, you become like a little kid on Christmas morning. And that's how you should go through life with expectancy, not dread, but the opposite. Like what cool thing could happen today because I've been doing, I've been speaking the language of the gods all day yesterday. <laughs> so anyway, it's a fun thing to teach and it's a fun thing to do. Uh, that's, it seems like the simplest way to be able to put that is that it's a fun thing to do where this is magically creating the life that you want. And some people I think have a hard time with that where they're like, ah, that's kind of bullshit, but then they'll go fucking play Sims or create some other world in some game. And they're like, but here I am with a video game. It's like, you're, you're doing that, but just, you can do it for yourself. So again, everybody go download the book. It's $2. And Jeff, tell us where can people connect with you? Where can they find you? Go to Sultan's Seven Secrets. So it's Sultan's with an S at the beginning and an S at the end, Sultan's, the number seven, and then Secrets, with an S at the beginning and an S at the end, .com, sultansevensecrets.com. And you can download the book. You can see the other things we're doing there. And this is what I do now pretty much full time. I just teach people the Sultan Seven Secrets and how to speak the language of the gods. And then as soon as I've got the word out there enough, by golly, I'm going to Belize. And Nick, I'll recruit you to be my neighbor over there. Yeah, you let me know, man. I'm in. Uh, Jeff, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much for jumping on, for sharing the wisdom. I'm sure we could sit here and talk for hours more about this. And this isn't going to be our last conversation together anyway. So there's more that's coming. Again, man, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm proud to know you and all the great things you're doing. And so, yeah, let's stay in touch. We'll do it again. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self-Mastery Show. So, what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. and Check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. Check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on the mindset and self show.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up the mindset and self mastery show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. I'd like to thank our sponsors.
And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you.